Hello and welcome to this free one. It's the free one. I've just welcomed that that's going to happen every time. That's point. right. Yeah. It's an important It's an important thing to acknowledge uh-huh. that it is going to be the free one. Yes. Uh, I feel like I is. met a celebrity hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was me all along, Josie. <laughs> yeah. Milo's, yeah. Milo's, it, wasn't, it wasn't that what the guy that we get just to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he was costing a ton of money. Yeah. Just have like the guy yeah. from the commercials. It was actually Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, that's right. It's the free one. Yes, that's right. Well, it is the free one. Uh, and you're here with Riley Milo and Hussein. And we are joined by a uh, friend of the show. I would say four time, I think four or possibly five time returning guest. It's a few times. Uh, it's a few so ass times. Presented with a half bottle of champagne upon- as a welcome gift. It's Josie Long. Do you know what? Don't say shit like that when there's no champagne. It's <laughs> cruel. Uh, That's right. Josie, you now have the the Trash Future Platinum Plus membership where yeah. you do have access to the unlimited uh, Oriental buffet between the hours of three and six in the members' lounge. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and you're no longer just uh, access to the well cash bar. You now have two premium drink tokens. Right, and those can be exchanged for uh, Bombay Sapphire, Grey Goose, even. Yeah, Grey Goose will take both tokens for one measure, yeah. but any cocktail of yeah. ten pounds or under. Yeah, is fun. no yeah. more house spirits for this prick. Mm. <laughs> but a couple more appearances, and we'll send you to a resort, uh, a wellness resort. Yeah, mm. to be euthanized. Where that, where that guy who's uh, doing viral rounds right now, the one who says that he's never read a book, like he's the one who's actually leading like the mindfulness course. Please, that video with his his searching dead eyes, I, I was hypnotized by it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You just wanted to invest in his cryptocurrency or whatever. But actually, there's a picture going around the internet that I would very much like to discuss. All right. Um, Uh-oh. It is the DUP's Sammy Wilson... <laughs> Just looking, looking like a, a looking himself like a sausage, standing in front of a big, a blank but clearly dirty white wall with it's a, a small, wall that looks like it's in a prison <laughs> visiting area. Yeah. Like Sammy Wilson for the DUP, standing in what appears to be a prison cell, standing in front of an Ulster is British poster, which looks like it's from the seventies. It's yeah. very like old looking graphic design. <gasps> yeah, absolutely. That that is that is a poster that some guys promised to commit some murders to. Mm. Um, and- I'm standing here with this handkerchief full of Prince Charles's fingers. But it's a real open for a surprise image. Yeah, mm. oh, absolutely. Holding in his hand, none other than a bag of <laughs> uncooked sausages just spilling over, <laughs> going onto his... I assume he's just going to lick his... Like <laughs> these sausages are so pink. Is he using like an Instagram filter on this? I feel like he's really turned the saturation up because he's very like yeah. ruddy cheeked, and mm. the sausages are outrageously pink. Like uh-huh. they are. It just like, implies. Yeah. I think the way that he's holding the plastic bag sort of implies that he's like kept them in his jacket pocket. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just, like this is just like where where the sausages like it's the place for the sausages. Like you've got it. your keys. You've got your keys, wallet, phone in one pocket. You've got your bag of raw sausages on the other. He's a yeah. spiv selling you sausages. 
We may, right. Would you happen to be in the market for any uh, illegal meats? I feel like there'd be some sort of saying as well, which would be like, a good Ulsterman keeps his sausages close to hand. And then that would be part yeah. of it. Well, keeps his sausages in his left pocket so, and his balaclava and his right. So all, all of this is around... Um, because this is something that I think I feel like we've lost the art of recently, yeah. which is different kinds of conservatives doing like weird literal protests about matters of technical constitutional mm. matters. In this case, it's because uh, there is a sort of a trade kerfuffle going on between the UK and EU about who gets to import chilled sausages at what quota. And of course, if that happens, then the Northern Ireland Ireland Protocol is threatened. And if that happens, the peace process is threatened. But because you know Sammy Wilson's whole thing is just like. Like, like his purpose in politics is to just um, be a, be an embarrassing moron who doesn't get anything mm. on behalf of the British state, yeah. right? Like it's, it means that he's an effective tool. He just doesn't know that he's a blunt instrument of stupidity. Yeah. His first instinct was just to like run out to the local Tesco's and just like grab a handful of raw sausages to make a point about the peace process. <laughs> and uh, so Sammy Wilson, uh, you have the TF uh, salute of the week. I say salut. I just love the fact that he was like, I've got to talk about these sausages, but how would people understand I'm talking about sausages yeah. unless I'm these, holding. Could these threaten the peace process? They're just sausages, you fools. Man, congratulations. You're a real fucking paisan. Um, um, uh, yeah, yeah, this is incredible. Right. I'm really excited for like the, the, uh, the, the UVF to start blowing up trucks of sausages. Well, I mean, I'm excited for like as more different things become matters of like technical disagreement between yeah. the U UK and EU for more like Sammy Wilson type guys mm. to just do extraordinary. Like, for example, how are they going to represent financial services? Is he going to like have like a little outfit with a green visor and just going to throw an adding machine off of um, off of the Harlan and Oh, Wolf they're all shipyards. just Brian Butterfield. Yeah, they're just yes. very literal. They're, they're very literal guys. Disguise. Yeah. Croupier. Lord Mayor's croupier. <laughs> <laughs> very literal. And I, I love that kind of literal conservative posting. Um, uh, yeah, I look but, forward to the new genre. Uh, speaking of new genre, how about we go back to an old genre? I've got a startup for us. All right. Uh, it's a classic, classic start. When I found it, I was like, this is like a season one startup. Oh boy, is it a startup. Yeah, it is a season one type of startup. It does, boy, does it ever do what it does. Uh, it's, so it's, so it's Juicero era. Uh, late season one. I'd the ju say. the okay. Yeah, I'd say it's late season one. We're past Juicero. <laughs> the Juicero period. When we're kind of just getting into what became our focus in season three. Um, so. Juicero Park. It's called. You did it, you crazy bastard. You really did. You brought the Juicero back. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> Like Jeff Goldblum stand, staring yeah. in awe as a giant Juicero marches across the plains. Yeah, to press a giant bag. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, no, uh, it's called Caffeine, and no, it's not Ooh. spelled right. It's K-A-F-E-N-E. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Josie, as the guest, you have first guess. What does Caffeine do? Well, I mean, I feel like I'm about to, like, be laughed off, but it's got to be something to do with coffee, right? Oh, sweet summer child, I'm afraid it is not. It is nothing to do with coffee. Wait, you're telling me it doesn't oh squeeze God. coffee out of a bag? I'm afraid, Milo, you're wrong as well. Oh. Not okay. coffee out of a bag, okay. nothing to do with coffee. Oh, is it yeah. a way that people mm -hmm. can pay monthly <gasps> to have some sort of digital alarm clock? Oh, 
it does involve paying monthly. Okay. Of course it does. They all do. Uh, Hussein, (laughs) give me your guess. It involves paying monthly, and it's called caffeine. I'm I'm actually stumped with this. I wonder what, like, is it... So is it some sort of like subscription service to a platform? No. Is it a subscription service where they deliver you like Pro Plus every month? It's it's <gasps> not a subscription service of any type. Okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll give you one. I'll give you guys one little bit of marketing copy, and mm-hmm. it's gonna really it's gonna really help. We're Caffeine, a mission driven fintech with the goal of empowering flexible ownership solutions. <laughs> ownership uh, flexible. Oh, so is, it, well, is it where you can rent yeah. the shit in your house? Close. I've got an idea. Is it is it like a timeshare, but for like a shitty office cubicle or something? Milo's closer, Josie. Remember, you're empowering flexible ownership solutions. So try if you need to, um, try and drink some pure grain alcohol to try and reduce some of the white matter in your head in case you need to figure out what they mean by this. Is it empowering. you can get half a bite? <laughs> More or less, <laughs> share a bike with your neighbor. Uh, 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 here's the next, the next, the next little bit of, of a clue for you. Flexible ownership. Caffeine helps consumers buy the things they want, and no credit is necessary. Oh fuck! Is it like a rent to own thing for buying stuff? Okay, who all here knows the company Klarna or a firm? Oh, you've yeah. seen it pop up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Now. Yeah. Ahem. Neil Desai, former CEO of Octane Lending, and James Schuler, who participated in Y Combinator's accelerator program as a high school, found as a high schooler, rather, he was not himself a high schooler. <laughs> uh, found- this, this, this pervert's been dressing up as a school. Yeah, that's right. He's the school. catch him. He really is a shit. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you very much uh, to Peter Geddon. Um, so, uh, founded New York City-based Caffeine in July 2019 uh, by Chris Morris. Uh, the pair's goal is to promote financial inclusion by meeting the needs of what it describes as the consumers that are left behind by traditional lenders. And it's um, not by giving them money. Oh, well, you give it to them for a bit. But then, you know, well. Yeah, uh, we're some sort of a, I mean, we're kind of a, a, we're like a sort of marine animal of lending. That's <laughs> yeah. what I would say. Yeah, like we're a, just slipping through the water and we never stop. Like a lone porpoise. We don't sleep. Yeah, like a, lone, like a lone dolphin, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. So, uh, that's the uh, thing about dolphins. They're never alone. They're always in a pod. That's right. Mm. Yeah, well, that's much like all of us here. We're actually, we, we may be in different cities, but we're never alone either. Always I remember one of my friends did, did a bit once about dolphins and how he found, he read some stat online that was like uh, over 10 innocent people are raped by dolphins every year. And he's like, which implies some of them weren't innocent. <laughs> <laughs> some of them were asking for it. Uh, so uh, more specifically, Caffeine is focused on helping uh, consumers with credit scores below 650, which is subprime, mm-hmm. uh, purchase retail items such as furniture, appliances, and electronics with its buy now, pay later model. Right. Consider it Klarna for the subprime market. Ooh. Okay. So it's like. So um, what if, right? Mm-hmm. And as we know, subprime, subprime is always good, right? That's what I learned from uh, the great short. <laughs> the great short. What a what a great short it was. The big yeah. short. F. That's Scott it. Fitzgerald's The Great Short. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, great short. But yeah, the Great Short is a is is a great Gatsby, but where Gatsby always references where he's five foot three. Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically, right. So it's it, this is just Klarna so far. It's just a buy yeah. now pay later thing. Where mm-hmm. if you don't know how that works, is by charging a fee usually to the business and then charging you a bunch of fees if you don't pay properly. Uh, these buy now, pay later uh, organizations will essentially purchase, will essentially extend you credit to buy uh, a whiz bang. 
or yeah, whatever. And they do it on like surprisingly yeah. low priced goods. Like you get offered to do it on stuff that's like 15 quid. Yeah. And you can pay for it in like three or four um, uh, uh, installments. Uh, and then they make their money charging the, the merchant and then you fees if anything goes wrong, which if frequently it does. Um, however, so how, that, that's a, how do we make that? If, we're, if we can't charge higher fees to the buyer, how do we make it for the subprime? Because any credit model, a product to the subprime has to therefore be much more stringent or else it doesn't make sense. It, does, you can't, it doesn't make sense as a business. Um, so uh, effectively, they say caffeine's flexible ownership model Remember that word is designed to um, not let it not let the worst happen to a consumer, which is if you miss a payment on your credit card, your your credit score is impacted. Uh, if for some reason someone cannot make a payment, caffeine simply comes up to comes to pick up the item, and the customer is no longer under any obligation to pay for it moving forward. We've invented repo men. Can't Just see so, this going wrong. So basically, you pay for a year for your yeah. bike. And then yep. you miss one payment and they mm-hmm. just take it away. Then what you've done is you've effectively rented a bike, it turns out. <laughs> oh. hope, hope you planned for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially, you know, for example, if you've bought a bike with this system because you're, say, a Deliveroo driver, maybe the, you're, you're basically what you're doing is you have to build equity in your bike. And if you miss a payment, they foreclose on it. Cool. Yeah. That's great. I love so, that. Uh, and so, you know, don't get sick. No, never get sick. No, <laughs> don't do that. So there's one thing Trash Future advises yeah. is do not get sick. Because what you've, what's happened is you've been enabled to undertake... You've been enabled to access the means of transport required for your job in a flexible ownership model, which benefits both you, uh, the, um, it benefits you, your community, the business, and the lender. And with all of this mutual benefit, just don't get sick and it'll be fine. Yeah. All right. So, so, okay. Say I buy... Uh, uh, some boxing gloves via this mm-hmm. and sure. I'm using them all the time because I yeah. l- love to box that's something well known about me yeah absolutely and then Josie are good. not long they call <laughs> yeah. her uh, cl- clubber, clubber long yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm a terror of the ring now oh, yeah. that's right that's right so say I buy them on like three years and I'm bashing the shit out of them for two years and then I get ill for a week and can't pay for them and they come take them away what are they doing with them are they selling them are they now also like an eBay shop as well? Like, well, in your case, Josie, of- they're selling them to perverts. These are Josie Long's sweaty Listen, boxing gloves. You yeah. don't realize if I, if there was the slightest pervert economy for anything I used, I would have jumped on that shit. But there's none. <laughs> it's, there's no niche. Yeah, <laughs> Josie's got very impecunious perverts. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I would, I would love to buy some used clothing of yours, Josie, to like sniff or just enjoy. But unfortunately, I, just, I have not been enabled to rent to own scheme. <laughs> I, I have not been enabled to access a flexible ownership model. <laughs> Can't pay. I'll take it back. I'll wear it some more. Now that is a scheme that works. Yeah, because the used goods have a place to go. Mm, yeah. They're actually going up in value. Who wants a fucking two-year-old TV that's been half paid up? <laughs> Flexible only fans. That's right. Uh, so uh, they say. Uh, the, the, so they bought. So what happens actually is uh, you don't own the thing. Okay. At no right. point until you finish paying it off do you actually own the thing. It's not even like you've bought it on credit. Caffeine has bought it for you, and then you have to pay them back. And if they you don't pay them back, then they just claim ownership of the thing that they already have so the title of your boxing gloves stays with them right yeah okay, i hate so it when i have to work just... out the deeds on my boxing gloves <laughs> they're just accruing goods 
Like, <laughs> so is this someone who wants stuff, but they can't, they feel like they don't deserve it. So they need to put it through an elaborate system. <laughs> well, I think what I, I suppose what they, they do is they probably just, I mean, a lot of things that people buy do have resale value. Things like uh, computers, TVs, furniture, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, Josie Long's used clothing. Yeah, Josie Long's <laughs> used hat. Are they reselling? Like, what is this? Is this a platform as well? Like, uh, <laughs> I think they sell it probably to. Um, uh, pro- I don't think they sell it to private individuals. I think it's a, it's 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 a bit. It's a B two B. That Northern Irish politician. <laughs> He's got a trench coat full of stuff. Someone hadn't finished paying off those sausages. <laughs> That's how they ended up in his fucking pocket. Um. <laughs> That's right. So they're largely still good. <laughs> Only a little bit eaten. Yeah. Uh, and that's fun- a few bites. What are you, Lord Fauntleroy? <laughs> and so uh, what I, th- I think is very funny, right, is that this is described as uh, freedom. Ah. Yeah. Uh, so they also work with an AI uh, analytics firm called mm-hmm. Synaptic right. uh, to, quote, better understand a borrower's ability to pay. Uh, so effectively... Mm-hmm. Uh, you you just get sort of all your shit analyzed by some shit that doesn't work because AI, yeah. as we all know, is mad. Basically, Why the fuck is this called caffeine? Mm. I, don't, I, 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 I hate these people so much, and I hate them even more because of their terrible aesthetic choices. Like, this is obviously an evil company on the face of it, but, like, if it didn't have such a stupid fucking name, I would hate it noticeably less. Mm. Yeah. What if it was well, called, like, Lend By? That's yeah. going to be much more literal. That wouldn't be a good startup name. Lend- Lender. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. At the end, of course. Yeah, that's Absolutely. right. No e, no e. What happened uh, to Fiverr? Did that go under? Oh, it's still it's still up. Sad. It's still Fiverr. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, they, this is basically what they what they're doing. And the thing is, right? Uh, this is another another fucking model. Remember how like Clarno was nowhere and then it was everywhere. Caffeine, same thing. They're now, they're now. Well, they say anyway that they're no longer taking on new merchant partners, which means that effectively, a the subprime borrower for consumer goods market that is, uh, uh, you know, has grown to the point where they're they're no longer of capacity to sign new clients. So, expect to see more of caffeine. We we love, yeah, we love like different iterations of the rentier economy. It's mm-hmm. all great. It's all it's all fun. Yeah, uh, we're uh, we're basically that. It's remember the whole point of fintech is to uh, create debt and then call it something else. Mm. And uh, what that's what we've done here. We've re- we've renamed debt flexible ownership. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no, I think it's yeah, great. it's flexible ownership because you might own it and then suddenly you don't, and that's pretty flexible. <laughs> that's very flexible. That's a very that's not a very solid concept of ownership. It feels to me like a mandala, a mandala. You know? Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah, think like you got art. a painting? Nah, you got nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Everything you own is basically an etch a sketch, and yeah. a big guy can come along and just shake it and like, hey, you can start again. That's pretty flexible, huh? Yeah. I, I, oh, don't you hate being hemmed in by all of these lines you've drawn in the etch a sketch? Don't you wish that you didn't have all this stuff you did? I can yeah. take it off your hands for you. That's right. Do you not feel burdened by your worldly possessions? <laughs> just doing like I, what wellness baths shit like. Do you not feel that all of these possessions are preventing you from ascending to your true spiritual are you self? That wellness baths bailiff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wellness <laughs> bazliff. Can I say I literally just wrote a short story about two young women who decide to pretend to be wellness gurus uh, in order to fleece the rich for everything they own. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of myself that I got my finger on the pulse. Like it's never been the oh. case before in my life. It's so far on the pulse. They hate, they hate to see it. They hate to see a girl boss winning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. That's caffeine. Uh, so uh, start your investment engines. Yeah, uh, that's right. You should invest in them. This is not investment no, advice. No, this is not investment advice. Actually, it's probably quite a good investment because although they're an evil company, it's the kind of stupid evil company that actually got, kind of does increase in value quite rapidly. If you're an undercredited investor, you will not be able to invest because it would require a public uh, public investment in private equity. Private investment in public equity. So, so if you're a billionaire, this could be construed as investment advice, but it is still uh, not. You, you would need to get a license as a family office. I, I don't think we have any billionaire <laughs> customers. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, th- now that that, dis- that yeah. boilerplate now disclaimer, that, that disclaimer that we put into every episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's the that's the FCA makes you say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2021. Get your dick uh, We are. I want to talk a little bit about the goddamn news. Um, it's news time. If Alice were here, uh, she would play the goddamn news stinger. Uh, but she's not. It's so, the news. Just o- open oh, up. No, it's yeah. the yeah, news. No, the morning's the no, it's, it, it's the evening news. So it'd be yeah. like dun dun dun. Yeah, no, that's oh, morning BBC. news, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, morning dun, news is like dun, more impactful. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, depending kind of on when you're listening yeah. to it, play the right yeah. news stinger. That's right. <laughs> don't embarrass yourself, <laughs> listener. Yeah, not you, that's right. listener. Yeah. Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> yeah, listener. So, uh, what we're, what, uh, there are a few things that sort of came up um, that I'd like to uh, discuss. Uh, what do we think? Uh, I think we let's let's start with this this queen nonsense. Uh, I don't want to talk about any of the specifics involved. I just think it is very illustrative of certain elements of why this country is like it is. Oh yeah. So, for context, uh, at the Maudlin College MCR, uh, a group of students. Voted to remove a picture. Not even the JCR. No, the, the MCR. Fucking MCR. A bunch of Americans who are there for one year. Yeah, yeah. It's for people, for people who are not Oxbridge cunts. <laughs> um, uh, the MCR, like the JCR, would be like the college common room for undergraduates, which is most of the students, like the one that people actually go to. And the MCR yeah. is like a common room that's only for graduate yeah, students. Correct. And so it's always like a dead ass room it's like yeah, not it's a room no, that the, people the hang MCR out the mcr is not a fun room yeah it's not a room that anyone cares about no it is the least consequential room in yeah. a very inconsequential place <laughs> yeah like this is really like yeah we're in the darkest cellar of the darkest house on the street here you know what i mean it's midnight we're looking for a black cat that isn't there you know what i mean like <laughs> that, 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 that sounds like you're trying to sell me something yeah look do you I like think it's very funny like as as, as like the only non-oxbridge person here i think we just had like one common room uh-huh. at, at York. That was, was, there that was pic- it. And what, was, was there a picture of the queen in it? Um, <laughs> there was. There was a pic. There was like one of those like really bad uh, reenactment of that. You know the Kitchener poster. Yeah. Except it was just like demanding that you wash your cups. Oh yeah. Oh, York, York so. University, whilst technically collegiate, is actually more of a polycule. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, and all of the students right. sleep in one big bed together. Yeah, that's right. That's a big bed. So that's right. Uh, anyway. This picture of the queen was just someone put it up in like 2013, and then the students, the, the graduate students who are Americans who are there for Some one year. Some fucking nerd. Yeah, put yeah it up this in is 2013. my point. What fucking nerd in 2013 was like, well, we need a picture of the queen. In 2013, <laughs> everyone was listening to, you know, like everyone like sort of um, 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 red pants and everything. 
Yeah. yeah. The thing is, it might have even been put up as a joke. Like, yeah. that's quite possible. Oh, of course. But because it's no, at an MCR. Oxford college, everyone assumes... Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, no, yeah, to no. be fair, it's the MCR. <laughs> yeah. Again, no. JCR, plausibly a joke. <laughs> MCR, yeah, no. Anyway, what Probably happened... Probably just a nerd. What happened is they voted to take it down, being like, eh, hey, this is a bit colonial. Yeah, fine. It's, it, she literally is the queen who used to be the Empress of India. But I, I, I'm going to say... Uh, that is that is all I really want to discuss about the event, other than the fact I think what they should have done is taken it down and then put up a poster of like Scarface or a Miller Light sign, <laughs> or like the one you know the one of the two girls kissing in black and white, like oh, the the tennis skirt picture where she's like scratching her ass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They could or or like a yeah. pyramid of beer cans. I I think they should have put it put it up back with huge titties. <laughs> that's what I think. Yeah. Photoshop them on. Yeah, big anime titties. Yeah, that's right. Actually, uh, that's does right. have large breasts, like not to. Not to be treasonous, but she does. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's treasonous. I think it would be treasonous to say the opposite. Yeah, well, I, we're I, saying the Queen has lovely naturals. That's right, the right, 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 right in with Regal. what you think is true. Who's treasonous? Is it Milo or Josie? Uh, so, <laughs> I think Josie and I are in agreement, actually. Right. Uh, you're both treasonous. Anyway, the point is, right, is that what then occurred was um, someone told Guido Fox, who is like one guy, we use a guy. That's a big thing about etiquette with yeah. the queen. When you meet her, you can't stare at her rat. <laughs> <laughs> Even when you're curtsying, she's like, my eyes are up here. <laughs> I know. They're big mommy milkers. <laughs> oh, my God. That's so, so bad. Someone that's clearly so just told told Paul Staines, yeah. uh, drink driving enthusiast Paul Staines. Yeah. yeah, well, well the- well, this is the thing. Also, like lots of lots of like Guido Fawkes's um, like tips and stuff come from like students who are looking for like internships and everything. Yeah. So, like, in fact, like al- almost like all the almost all the kind of journalists who like work in mainstream media now who started off at Guido Fawkes and stuff were like students who were giving tips to Paul Staines mm. um, w- during the undergraduate years. Often about like often snitching on other students. Shouts out um, to actual so think- listener of the show, Tom Harwood. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, I should. I, yeah, I forgot he subs to us. Yeah. Uh, What's that guy? Yeah, hey, he's the um, uh, republishing the fascist conspiracy site and then refusing to acknowledge it guy, right? No, no, that's uh, the the guy from that's Tim. Another another Tom or whatever kind. Oh, is it? Hey, uh, it's too hot today. It's all Tim. Ah, it's hot today. <laughs> it's too hot. But yeah. But yeah, like Guido, Guido, Guido Fawkes, especially as Guido Fawkes is kind of like now, they, like they ha- they aren't really even kind of on a basic like news and Westminster level are just not producing the same types of stuff as they used to. Um, like they have gone through like this culture change where not only have they become more adjacent to the government, like every other like Westminster reporter, but they also kind of know that the bread and butter isn't in Westminster gossip. It's in mm. like culture war stuff. Yeah. So yeah, they're like the incentives for students looking for like internships or whatever, or even just like bylines because like internships don't really exist anymore. Is you know is very much there, and I think that's why we kind of get dumb stories like this, and yeah. why we will continue to get dumb stories like this. It's just objectively extremely funny to run an incredibly pro monarchy website called Guido Force. <laughs> 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 Just an absolute 11 out of 10 heightening the con- contradictions so, meter. So, uh, if, uh, basically, for a little more context, what then happened is this one right-wing blog, that's just where all the news comes from now because of the way that the media ecosystem works, was like, got a little, got just a random snitch just said, hey, they've taken down the picture of the queen. And then what this, the right-wing blog then publishes it, then every newspaper runs with it, puts it on the front page. And then... 
what happens then is a bunch of like people from the nominally opposition party are like marched into a bunch of radio stations where they then have to like where they are then like ritually humiliated and told that they have to agree with the with like the uh, the government basically yeah it's like basically like when there's been a military coup <laughs> except it happens every week just like Keir Starmer is yeah. marched into LBC and forced to like recant what he said the previous week by like a guy in a different hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it's because, right? Like, it, it's this is a fake country. <laughs> it is, or, or rather, more specifically, it is an entirely fake political system. It is Potemkin. There is nothing there. There is no. There was no row. There was no row over this. It was it, students. Nothing, They're all idiots. No one cares. Nothing happened. Like the idea that oh, the left backed itself. It didn't. Nothing actually happened. No event has occurred. But who the entire the, who the left, Chris. The entire the, the entire political media <laughs> ecosystem of this country is basically like has to just work through just just has, has to live an insane life where they have to pretend that something has happened and that it's very important that it be discussed and i think like it's I, i've said earlier right like the problem with jeremy corbyn was that he was the last sane person in the british political media ecosystem he was the last person who would probably say I don't particularly care. They can do what they want with their MCR. Um, and they and you could not be allowed to continue being yeah. in politics. Sort of muttering yeah. it from his bike while he was cycling back in his full <laughs> Wilson tracksuit from like playing the fruit machines at the pub. From the allotment. Oh, king. Come on. Miss that guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's not going to the fruities. He's growing his own. <laughs> Honestly, this is this is really grist for my like uh, for my opinion that I'm increasingly I'm becoming increasingly wedded to, which is that when your society is raised on nothing but a diet of like visceral and paranoid <laughs> anti-communism, it becomes really good. Well, you stay. The thing is, even when the USSR goes away, those people's paranoia doesn't. Like I think it's no coincidence that also a lot of them aren't even aware that the <laughs> USSR went away, no. as we've learned from years and years. <laughs> but, where but, Russell T Davies literally says the Soviet army at one yeah, point on, on the Patreon. Yeah, do subscribe to the Patreon. Uh, FCA makes us say that too. Yeah, they do. But I think like it's again, no one cares about the painting, uh, the picture, even uh, give a fuck. But it's just it, it shows that like. In order to be a, po a political participant in this country, in order to be a media figure, you are going to have to live in a paranoid fantasy world where you have to pretend that there is a malicious fifth column of like uh, anti-monarchists and woke stuff. You have to pretend the woke Stasi is around every corner and could be poised to take That's over at every moment. That's what the fifth moment. pillar of Islam is. Yeah. It's the woke Stasi. Well, fun well, 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 funnily enough, um, none other than Dan Hodges basically admitted that to me yesterday. Yeah. Wow! Um, where, where, where his whole thing was basically just like, you know, if, you know, if the quote-unquote left uh, are faced with this problem, they should simply say, I am on the side of the queen yes. and that's it, I right? And I asked Dan kind of like, okay, so what you're basically saying is that like basically more than half of the population, um, including like, you know, vote like half the population of voters, not even, you know, not, um, not even just like general people should just like live in constant fear that anything, any sort of mundane decision that they make could be interpreted as like treason. Yeah. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, how else is society going to be defended? Hussein, if we're not, if we don't make sure the traitors are worried about being caught for treason. And obviously like it's an, it's an obvious thing that we've spoken about on the show a lot and like all our, you know, 
um, is something that we take for granted. I thought about what was interesting about the Dan interaction, small as it was, was that he basically just like, admit, like he, it was basically like a mask off moment because he's in, he's an incredibly stupid, but like weirdly earnest guy mm-hmm. who I think just enjoys the fact that like he gets like online attention. Mm-hmm. Um, who would? You know, and I won't like, yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's, I think it's a combination of those things. It's like, and ultimately it's also like a news ecosystem that is very, very heavily reliant on Twitter, um, to like repeat and kind of regurgitate stories that it thinks is important mm-hmm. because it doesn't have any idea about like what's going on or how to like interrogate power. And I think there's like this other set of the ecosystem, which is like Guido Fawkes and talk radio. And from next week, from next week, GB news, mm-hmm. um, but understand that like they can manufacture news really, really simply, um, with like this primed audience of extremely online boomers, um, who will get angry at like any sort of concoction of the left. I'm very excited yeah. for like, yeah, all of our news media to just become the Cambridge tab. Like that's great. What it really <laughs> is, is it is about, it is, it is, I think you say, when you say it's about finding traitors, like that's true. It is about identifying individuals. And we saw this as well, even in, in the 2019 election, we've sort of seen it since the, to be honest, we've seen it since about 2010, realistically, right. yeah. where there would be, where the newspapers after Levison sort of, fizzled out the newspapers realized there was nothing that stood in the way of them basically just making it their job to identify identify what the line of treachery was and then find people who've crossed over it and then basically mount public hate campaigns against them that's it's effectively great. what it was. i love it and and i think this and again this whole poster debacle so yeah. it doesn't matter in itself but it matters because it sh- it is a, a it is the perfect representation mm. of a synapse misfiring in the dying brain of this country. It's it's also quite shocking to me because I feel like even three years ago mm. they would have had mm. to have done something for this mm. to happen. Like something yeah. would have had to have happened in some way. Mm. Someone might have had to express a left-wing opinion or uh, boycott something or stop something happening. And here it's Mm. literally people saying, let's redecorate the common room. And that's enough. Mm. Yeah. (laughs) Like that to me is so shocking. Well, to be fair, they shouldn't have replaced it with a picture of Gaddafi. I don't understand why they did that. They they should have replaced it with, uh, with a picture of Gaddafi looking strong. Yeah. That would have been good. Actually. That Um, would have been cool. Right. But I shouldn't have turned the MCR into a mosque. <laughs> I think <laughs> realistically, the, the, the way to understand this is that the British press has essentially declared war on most people who live here. Oh, yeah. And about a third of the population of the people who live here are uh, all too willing to, uh, you know, uh, back them. I think they've almost declared war on everyone who lives in this country. It's like a quiet... Because even the people who read it, it declares war on them some of the time, but it's it's like it's usually not about you enough of the time that you enjoy the outrage. I used to remember this a lot like when I was at Cambridge, that there would be like every year there would be like a slew of Daily Mail articles between like April and June, which is when all the big like Cambridge University parties happen, which would be just like taking pictures of students having a few drinks and having a nice time and or like in black tie going to dinner and just being like disgusting university you are the, the future leaders of this country one of them stood on a bin are you not outraged <laughs> and then literally the yeah. rest of the year the daily mail would be like send your children to oxbridge send them there or they're scum like and it's like this is an interesting newspaper they were simply very angry that Cambridge students were disrespecting the bin men, and I, for one, agree with that. <laughs> we were always disrespecting Bins the bin men. Bins are for emptying, not for standing. <laughs> That's 
That's right. <laughs> uh, remember when the bin man used to be able to kill you if you stood on the bin? I lived above a chain fish <laughs> restaurant, and on Monday mornings, I was always very hungover at about 6 a.m. They thought that was the was perfect the time prunier to... Was all in the airports? <laughs> no, it, it was lock fine. They used to like to tip a dumpster Ooh. full of 500 glass bottles into a bin lorry right underneath my bedroom window. Uh-huh. I hated it. That was, the, that was the time in my life where I respected the bin men the least. I thought you were going to say a dumpster of rotting fish, so actually, yeah. sounds like you got a very... <laughs> it would have been less noisy, Josie. It would have been less noisy. <laughs> so, uh, I, I th- but the, the, re- the reason I, I, I sort of, I, I bring this up again is like, is that the, to participate in, in the politics in the mainstream of this country, you have to understand that it's an entirely pretend affair. Where non-real things are the sub are things where the where this are our, our our small coterie of print media assholes can make up anything they really want and then just declare war on you forever. And I think it's because like they resent that Levison even happened. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's also it's easier the stupider you are. Like I swear Dan Hodges was like grown in a fucking Soviet lab in their efforts to create <laughs> an like an absolute zero IQ for the purposes <laughs> of calibrating the test. <laughs> yeah, he's a NIST standard moron. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Like if you were like the, the Soviet Union went too close to the sun when they tried to build a baboon that gets every question wrong. <laughs> Can I say we are yeah. leaving out one of the key aspects of the story, which is mm. the absolutely creepy as hell internal decor of the Tory MP Andrea Jenkins showing off her fucking shrine to the queen in her living room. <laughs> oh, she got, had some fairy lights on it. Yeah, yeah, it's got a picture of the queen and then two little circular pictures of the young queen and young Prince Philip next to it in her fucking house. Nice. And then, um, yeah, I, I feel like, I'm not saying it makes the whole thing worth it because it doesn't, but Things like that, things like Michael Gove's bookshelves. At the very mm-hmm. least, it's emboldening these people to give away more than they should. And these Ladies. things can be kept and studied. If you go into a man's house and he doesn't have a picture of the queen with fairy lights on it and a little yeah. picture of the young queen and a little picture don't of the young prince next to it, don't fuck it. Yeah. Listen, and he's, if he's not holding a bag of sausages, if he's not in a prison... <laughs> ladies, if you're going into your man's prison cell and he's not holding a bag of sausages <laughs> and standing in front of an Ulster... Don't give him the heroin you smuggled in in your asshole. <laughs> uh, anyway, so with, with a little bit of, of, of um, stupid news discussion out of the way... I want to get to why we're all actually here, because uh, it's to talk about our good friend Riley. Uh, yes, it's the intervention. I've been yeah. making too many episode notes. <laughs> Riley's, Riley's <laughs> to organize an intervention for himself, <laughs> and that's ironically what the intervention is about. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. So uh, we're, des- we're, we're desperately trying to stop him from becoming a DJ. Uh, <laughs> yes, that, I'm afraid that train has left the station, my friend. <laughs> Um, No, so there has recently been an article in The Atlantic that has, I think, been garnering uh, some attention over here um, because uh, uh, Tom McTague, uh, a man without object permanence... A man with a fucking name. Well, a man with no object permanence at all, uh, has written a piece on our Prime Minister, uh, Boris Johnson, for uh, American liberal audiences. Now, the... um, the piece is primarily concerned uh, with asking the question, is Boris Johnson Britain's Donald Trump? Uh, because they couldn't think of a better question, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it's a fucking stupid that's a question. stupid question to no. have your article on. Yeah, no, it's a different kind of guy. It's a yeah. different kind of thing. It's a very different kind of guy. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's much more of an ordinary Tory 
uh, he's just you know um, a little bit more sort of uh, you know colorful than Theresa yeah. May. Boris Johnson actually is one of the less reactionary people in the current Tory party, to my mind. Mm. Like he's just cynical. Well, I mean, when you've been and when you're when you're sort of when you when you basically is like, yeah, well, it's him, and then everyone who wrote Britannia Unchained and Pretty Patel and stuff, like, yeah. yeah, it's hard to get more reactionary than them. Yeah, like Pretty Patel is way more like Trump. She's incredibly reactionary and she's stupid. <laughs> yeah, like, that's right. Boris Johnson isn't quite either of those things. <laughs> but nevertheless. I, I think it's worth it's worth talking about this because it's answering the question how are how is our politics seen and also um, there's almost a little bit of a um, you might say a liberal a, a liberal soft selling of Boris Johnson right a uh, a, a desire to um, a, a desire to sort of it feels like a marketing piece. And I don't think Tom McTague necessarily set out to write it. I just think he's very easily bamboozled. Um, but I think also there's something you have to bear in mind, of course, whenever we talk about American politics, is that like in real terms, Boris Johnson is to the left of most American liberals. <laughs> Not because he'd like to be, but just because that's where the relative Overton well, windows again, are. Again, I think that's, it's one of these things where I think I, 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 don't, I can't comment on where I think he'd like to be. I think he happens to govern a country that happens to have some things like socialized medicine but i don't think it's it's i don't think it's it's even sort of instructive to compare the two he wouldn't be bringing about the nhs he wouldn't be there's not a single one of our and neither would fucking kiss starmer at this <laughs> oh point oh my god it would be so <laughs> awful it would be I welcome i welcome the proposal for free healthcare from the government but i think we could go further by creating a structured system of incentives which if the Prime Minister had read the handbook, he would have known that on page 94 there was a typo. Yeah. And so, that is what I would like to talk about today. Yeah, And, and, and we've got a new system where uh, if you can't pay for your operation, then actually uh, caffeine comes and takes your kidneys back. That's right. Uh, yeah. no, so I, I do slightly disagree, actually. I think it's not instruct... And again, Tom McTague makes this sort of same statement in the article. And I think like it is, in fact, it yeah, you're... He, Boris Johnson is constrained by different things than Americans are constrained by. But I think the crucial thing is that it's less about what makes uh, American Democrats, Republicans, uh, conservatives, uh, labor and so on different and more about what essentially makes them all the same. As Josie said, none of them would have started the NHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that none of them are willing to really build anything. They're all just different kinds of privatizers and dismantlers. The difference is, is that... Um, is that the Tories and the Republicans have both identified the language of, uh, of, of patronage and anti-austerity, whereas the Democrats and Labour are sort of still stuck in the 90s that we've talked about before. Does it mean no, that because they've identified the language is politically useful? It doesn't necessarily mean that, say, um, they're going to go through with doing any of it, but they, are, they have understood that it is something that they can sell. And someone like Tom McTague buys every bit of it. Mm. So, uh, I'm going to start slightly out of order with something that comes about two-thirds into the article because I believe it is illustrative of uh, how this article works. Um, what am I doing this for? Johnson asked his aides, looking at his schedule for the day and seeing a slot carved out to talk to me. It's for the profile I advised you not to do, James Slack, Johnson's then director <laughs> of communications James said. Slack. But... It's, 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 you can see what he's doing there, right? Which is, uh, he is essentially said to his, his director of communications, now this is very important. Well, I'm going to ask you this question. I'm going to need you to imply that this journalist 
is too good and too incisive and that it would be dangerous to talk to him. And then... Which I'm sure is borne out in the rest of the piece. <laughs> I'm sure it's a real, a really hostile interview. Oh, absolutely. Um, where effectively, um, you can see sort of McTay kind of uh, sucking himself off a little bit over mm. being told that... Which oh, is impressive, I, to be fair. I, I advised you not <laughs> to do this. Mm. Uh, and then being like, ooh, I'm dangerous. I'm Woodward and Bernstein. Again, if I'd ever taken any advice, I probably wouldn't have had however many wives it is. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's, I think that, that's illustrative of sort of what's going on in the piece generally. So it opens uh, with J- Boris jumping into a demo tram in a factory in Birmingham while doing a photo op for the election of Andy Street. And the following line occurs in the color for the introduction, which can sum up the vast majority of what it goes on to say. Johnson was, as usual, unkempt and amused, a tornado of bonhomie in a country where politicians tend to be phlegmatic and self-serious. Fuck off. If not <laughs> a tornado of bonhomie. Yeah. Oh, the, the, okay, the image that's in my mind right now is the one from South Park where the guy's come all over himself. Uh-huh. Like, that's what Tom McTague was doing while yeah. writing this. Listen to me. This, like, his shtick just seems so transparent. Like... How would mm. anyone at this stage be being like, wow, he's just so charming and not like he's got one shit gag and he yeah. just does well, that. Josie, that's because you're not a writer for The Atlantic and you're not as easily taken. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, in, yeah. or indeed a huge number of posh women. <laughs> <They're> just, <laughs> Boris, Boris Johnson is just like catnip for a certain class of women, oh. isn't he? I don't know what it is, but like they want to fuck Boris. Right? Why? I think I think it's that classic thing of like I can change him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I take that. I do, but I just like he sleeps he, in a clothes nest now. But mm-hmm. <laughs> he does not have the energy of somebody. And I don't want to sound graphic. Like who am I? But like he does not have the energy of somebody who has ever like bothered to make a woman come in his life. Like he does not have like any energy of that. I have to. I have to disagree. I think the cooperation between my lips and the pussy has been positively oh, glutinous God. on this issue. No. I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to be crass, but like, yeah, he's he's vile. He's awful. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so yeah. Sorry. Oh, please carry on. No, I just Boris Johnson doing the Greek alphabet on the clitoris. Oh, he only knows the first five letters. Yeah. That's the worst part. He doesn't even know all yeah. that shit. That's why he only knows the first five letters. He never gets all the way down the alphabet. That's exactly. right. Yeah. He never bothers. Uh, so he's like, well, all done. Yeah. So uh, it's supposed to be Alpha and Omega Boris. Can I do the Q voice yeah. there? Do you remember? Do you remember bring this clitoris back in one piece? 007? I feel like it's not Peter Abraham, but he's about the only person that I'm like, he seems all right. Um, I feel like Peter Abraham, but it might have been like a BBC guy. Do you remember that article that was written about Boris Johnson in 2019? Oh God, I'm sorry. Mm. This is a total detour, isn't it? But there was an article written about him where he said that he saw him once perform at a gala event. And he showed up oh, late. Oh yes! And he showed up. Yes, in this I remember this. It was Peter Oborn. Oh, was it? Great. He showed up in this cloud, and he told this very sort of charming enough anecdote, and it pulled it off, brought the house down, and everyone was like, "Wow, he's pulled that out of his ass! How great!" And then he saw him again do the exact same thing over and over hmm. again. And I, I just feel so embarrassed that Britain just sucks this shit up over and over again mm. and well, never it, Boris Johnson is a club comic that's basically it. what we're saying and he, he's got a tight 20 <laughs> yeah, and he is fucking whipping it out everywhere where'd you learn to whisper yeah, but <laughs> in, in this case in a helicopter <laughs> but in this case it's um 
Uh, it is being sucked up by the... It cannot emphasize this to you enough. It is for an American audience. Yeah. Right. So we are essentially the, the thing that... <laughs> Which is why yeah. he's saying shit like a tornado of bonhomie. Yeah, and America's sitting there going, wow, I didn't even know half of those words. That's incredible. <laughs> so, uh, I jo- love that. So anyway... He's at this tram factory. Uh, so Johnson's aide told the prime minister, Johnson's aide told me, Tom McTague, that the prime minister had been excited about his tram ride all morning. All aboard, <laughs> he yelled, though there were no all passengers. Aboard. News photographers crowded around and men in hats stood by. When Johnson finally men made in it, hats. hard hats, sorry. Oh, right. no, when not Johnson just like finally pipe. made it around <laughs> the bend, <laughs> the launch of Stevenson's yeah. rocket, um, he slammed the brakes and men busted in lamb the horn. Chops. Nothing went wrong. Of course, nothing really could have gone wrong. The tram was limited to three miles an hour and had an automatic override system to protect it from reckless prime ministers, among others. Um, mm, that's a very specific yeah. override system. Yeah, that's right. No, no, no. Disraeli can't be using this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Gladstone only. Yeah. But, but again, it's the... Um, it, it is it is somewhat it is Tom McTague sort of trying to be like I'm going to get to the core of, of Boris Johnson I'm going to figure I'm, I'm going to figure out what there is to know about him and immediately his main thing is just now but first I need he's given me three cards and assured me that a bean is underneath one mm-hmm. I just have to identify which one it is and then I will be able to engage in my penetrating review of his character. I think like, I mean, I, I think like the mistake to be made is that this was supposed to be that Tom McTague was like intending for it to be an interrogative piece and like, not even like with the ambition of, you know, really uh, like criticizing him or, um, you know, questioning his sort of like assumed position in British polite society for decades now, but even just kind of the, the most remote criticism, because as we sort of know with journalists who have criticized the government. Um, they've lost like proximity and they've lost access and they've lost like the very few ways in which they can actually um, hold ministers to account. And like the kind of media story of the conservative government, um, you know, from the Cameron years, but like specifically from the Johnson years is very much about like journalists, uh, like favored journalists are ones who have proximity and ones who, you know, and one favored ones don't. And you know, so, and, you know, and that's also kind of like the situation with um, the British press who really value their press passes above, or they really value their like Westminster passes above everything else, which is that they kind of know that they have to play ball if they want to have like this access, like this dependence on access journalism and this dependence on like proximity kind of means that, you know, the government have been very successful in basically like neutering any kind of like impetus of critique um, from reports, which is sort of why, like, which is sort of why, you know, I do kind of feel a little bit sorry for Keir Starmer sometimes I because do. I do kind of think Just that so I want to be clear. You know, I do not. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I said, I said very, like a very, very small <laughs> amount, which is like ultimately like, e- like Keir Starmer can kind of do the most sort of like mundane proposals of like social democracy he and he'll get like fucking hound and he won't, but like, I think there's a reason why he won't, which is that he knows he'll get fucking hounded by the press mm-hmm. if he does that. Right. And I think ultimately that's the thing. It's like this is just a press that's just been yeah. very conditioned well, for a long time to value proximity above yeah, and to everything declare else. war on everyone who doesn't have, who's not useful to them. Yeah. Can I say also it, it mimics their strategy of you know awarding funding to places that vote conservative, mm-hmm. shielding conservative mm. councils from cuts. Like what they're doing is they're saying either you're with us or fuck you. Mm. You know, and and if you're not with us and you try to explain what it's like, people who are with us will be like, well, it's not like that for me. So you're yeah. obviously in the wrong. 
Yeah. You know? and, and I the think the Roman army ship. It, one of the key one of the key things here, right, is to see this is to see this to see it to see as you're describing Josie like this whole sort of this funding complex that we've talked about before, where it's like a patronage system where if you if you if you um if you submit if you sort of understand where you are and you submit in the hierarchy, then you'll basically be kept alive. Um, and and, this, and but also to understand how that connects to. Because like the only way people understand politics is really by consuming political media or hearing other people who've consumed political media talk about it, right? And the Welcome only and the only way that um that, that that then your picture of what your country's politics is is formed is through that. But if, as we've already established, this is a fake country, it is not a real place. That it is um that these. These sort of stories that exist in in the imagination comes of right columnists, and <laughs> the stories that exist in the imaginations of columnists that create friends and enemies that sort of draw political lines without sort of acknowledging it. And so, for example, your coverage of the prime minister is sort of fawning, and um, your coverage of some random guy or some random Americans that decide to like redecorate their common room is oppositional and uh, and searching and personal. Because it's simply because, right? We have the 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 sort of power political and media elite in this country have figured out that it makes more sense for them to all work together. I really hate being made to defend MCR Americans. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> no, that's the worst part of this. Yeah, one of my most hated groups. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Uh, an annoying sure. bunch. I think as well, like it it does i mean i know this is a point that gets made all the time but like the last you know the way that many people who should have known better allowed the way that corbyn and the labor party were treated in that exact same confrontational oppositional personal uh, fi- fictional when it comes to things like the the czech spy bollocks all of that stuff they allowed it because it was convenient to them and they must have known on some level that they were creating conditions that they wouldn't be able to reverse. Now, Josie, I've swallowed this fly, but I've swallowed this spider, and I'm pretty sure that's going to solve this fly problem. And then clear sailing for me from then on. That's you right. Know? Yeah. Um, and, and then yeah, I never had to... all these mongooses. And then I never had to swallow anything again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Would you know what, though? She wasn't hungry, was yeah, she? Yes, that's right. Uh, <laughs> there was a little old lady who swallowed a fly, and then she swallowed a spider to eat the fly, and then it was fine. Yeah, that's right. That's how the rhyme goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then she took down her picture of the queen, and that's when things started going wrong. Yeah. Um, so it's it also the other thing about the profile is that it tends to hang. It hangs on the key question of is is Boris Johnson Donald Trump, which is as I think we've made abundantly clear, a very stupid question. It's quite not really worth a very different guy. Very, yeah. A lot of people they won't tell you that, yeah. but it's true. Actually, it's not the same at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and then the event <laughs> that it hangs off of is the European Super League, which you recall we discussed with Musa Kwanga. And because the reporter happened to be with Johnson while this was all going on. Of course. So, uh, it was announced the night before, McTague writes, and Johnson had come out against it, arguing that it would yank England's grandest clubs in their traditional environment against the wishes of their, of their fans. It was unfair, he said, and his government would fight it. Now, going beyond the fact that it is absolutely not clear on the public record that Johnson was in opposition to this when it was proposed, and that he didn't just sort of um, hitch his wagon to it when it became clear that it was uh, very unpopular, right? This is not clear, and it's something that McTague just leaves in, just writes it in. Yeah, no need to interrogate that. No, no, heavens no. 
Give a man the benefit of the doubt. That's right. That's what journalism is. Would not Socrates have given me the benefit of the doubt? Uh, so, says in, in one of our conversations, Johnson had said that people need to feel part of something bigger than themselves. He told me that he doesn't think of himself as a nationalist, but he argued that individuals need to feel that they belong and they shouldn't be patronized for worrying that their traditions or connections are being eroded. And again, that's just the soft sell, right, of the actual machine in this country, which is to preserve, to, pre- to basically preserve the authority and property of the sort of gentry or capital or whatever at any cost even as even as it's like cultural outrider institutions like the royal family are attract minor criticism that we essentially have to have a bush doctrine where it is crushed and that, that's what's that's interesting the, about that, as, as, as johnson frames it that way right that oh people don't want to be patronized for worrying that traditions are being eroded that's just the sort of pleasantly that's the pleasant end of that stick that's the nice way of phrasing it but what effectively he does is that he um, he sort of feeds McTague feeds seems like he's feeding this line to Johnson, and then Johnson is able to say yes, absolutely, that's what I think. This is about the deracination of the community fan base, and then he goes on some reverie for several paragraphs about how I was struck by his use of the word deracinate to describe the particular dynamics of English soccer partisanship. To be deracinated is to be uprooted from your customs and culture and home. Uh, here, Johnson was offering himself as the People's Tribune, defender of the national game, through, uh, through, from the threat of an alien imposition. I would advise, invite Tom McTague to please come and join me and really experience uh, the deracination of English soccer partisanship uh, by walking into this uh, greasy spoon in Millwall wearing a West Ham shirt. Uh, I will be there to provide advice while he does this, but I will be wearing a Millwall shirt. (laughs) It's such an annoying sort of stepping in on page 55 or 56. Like, is he not aware of like how money has affected football in the last 40 years. Like, he must be, like, is he not aware of what the Premier League is? Like, it's just so annoying to be like, of course he's not, he's American. Or or even, (laughs) or especially, right, is he not aware, uh, or is he not aware, or does he not want to be aware? Because if you want to be aware, then suddenly you're no longer playing pretend with the rest of them and you're out, right? Um, that, That effectively, like, um, that this is just a story, right? That this is that the the story that is being told now, the story that is being told as the outrider of sort of British British capital, is essentially a homey um, a homey Middle England with a vicar riding a bike, etc., etc., etc. And that's just the marketing of the Tory Party now. And McTague has essentially come in as a journalist, being like, "Why well, they've they've helpfully given me all of this marketing? I could just print that." Johnson asked me, did I remember when the binwem were hard? And I said, what's a bin man? <laughs> and I love that he used the word bin. Yeah. It was, well, I, I, like, he's British. Uh, hang on. He probably also says Lou. I love that. Well, he's London based. I don't know if he's British. Um, anyway. Uh, he simply he simply writes with the kind of uh, smooth-brained lackadaisicalness of an American commentating on something British. Yes, that's that is yeah. true. Um, and uh, effective. And and if you want to like get the the real the real meat of this, right, is when um, in in the so you're not Donald Trump. I asked Johnson, 
what I, I, I keep coming back to that as just like no because stop. women want to fuck Boris Johnson. <laughs> we don't understand why. <laughs> But they so, do. He says, well, self, I had been just treated to a long monologue about his liberal internationalism in support of a free trade climate action and even globalism. Well, self-evidently, he replied, uh, the point I'm trying to get over to you and your readers is that you mustn't mistake this government for being sort of a bunch of xenophobes or autarkic economic nationalists. And again, you know, there are some xenophobes. <laughs> rather, rather than sort of, and when uh, McTague then goes on to be like, yeah, the home secretary is the daughter of immigrants. I guess they're not xenophobic. <laughs> Bad example, Matt. Matt, the worst example you could have picked Tom, in the whole. It's Tom. His name is Tom. Dad, you're a bad, bad example of a name. Yeah, bad example of a name. Would be a better name, though, to be fair, than what he has. Judge them on what they're fucking doing. Like, is, is it so hard to look up about the policing bill? Is it so hard to look up about, like, how they're going to criminalize trespass? Like, there's all these fucking terrifying authoritarian things they're doing, like the asylum bill. I don't know if yeah. it's called the asylum bill, but the bill that affects asylum and immigration. Like, they're right there. Well, like, no, you can't say, don't mistake them for authoritarians. It's like, if, like, if I'm a painter and every painting I do is of a horse's head, and you interview me and I say, well, I don't paint horses' heads. You have to fucking acknowledge <laughs> but, that there's some horses' heads. But in, in Britain, she does sell her used clothing. And in many ways, it's more interesting. <laughs> in, in Britain, almost uniquely among, among countries, I think, or almost uniquely sort of among the Anglosphere anyway, uh, if you acknowledge what they do instead of the fact that, well, it, what, what McTagg says is, well, uh, Donald Trump is unlikely to ever have used the word autarkic in conversation. So it's, no. it's a difference of style. It's much more likely to have said sad, yeah. pathetic, yeah. uh, <laughs> very, very low energy. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. Thank you for defining the word autarkic for me through the medium of impression <laughs> because it made me feel so good about myself. Oh, no, I don't know what it means. Oh, no, I was no, just it saying things Donald Trump would say. It, it's, it's, it means national economic self-sufficiency is an autarky. Right, right, right. Yeah. A self-running... Yeah. In yeah, the ancient Greek. Um, yeah, uh, uh, like, well, this is what's interesting about the Tories, I think, which is that if you actually take the Tories at their word, like what they say they do, it doesn't really sound that bad. Mm. But when you actually take them at what they actually do, mm, and yeah. this is why I think they are, they're so palatable to an American liberal. It was kind of what I was getting at earlier when I said that, like, the Tories are, at least in their stated positions, yeah. way to the left of the average American liberal. Mm. Not necessarily yeah. in what they'd like to do. Or, in fact, but what they in, do, like, right? As, yeah. as Josie was saying yeah. earlier, like, criminalization of, like, GRT people and stuff. Like, yeah. In terms of what but they what claim they say, to be in favor yeah. of, whereas the Republicans would just be like, if you don't like it, we'll shoot you. Like yeah. it's more like and it's the a Democrats, different vibe. The Democrats are like, if you don't like it, we'll shoot you. But they're like, but also we'll, yeah. the gun will have a pride yeah. flag on. It. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I totally agree with you here though, because when I think about their manifesto in 2019, mm -hmm. they explicitly said you know like threatening things yeah. to the grt community but, and they explicitly were like we're gonna stop anyone ever moving here mm -hmm. by any you know so yeah. they were quite clear but about it here's in those the thing i think what i think the thing is right looking at their manifesto that's like kind of looking that's what looking at what they said they would do not what tom mctague is doing which is yeah, getting a true. vibe so he says yeah, for example right, right. um for example, uh, he says, yeah, well, Donald Trump wanted to close the border, but Boris Johnson is letting in tons of Hong Kong refugees. Uh, again, as though these things, uh, understanding nothing about the context of anything that's going on, because the personal profile of someone in politics is uh, worthless. And if the, per if the political operator you're talking to is at all savvy, going to be used by them as marketing. Uh, was also just like, and I'll, I'll make this like very short because I know that we're like running out of time soon. 
But it's also because this was designed to be, I can imagine like the way that this was commissioned was, um, you know, that they wanted to do this sort of like long profile, long profile piece that you can, you like, you are, you often like see in the New Yorker and stuff, um, which requires like its own, like very specific skill in order to kind of like do an interrogation. It's not really just a matter of like writing lots of words. It's also like thinking about how narrative is formed and like how it's structured and, you know, really like thinking about the actual structure of the piece rather than like, and for me, like when I kind of skim through this article, um, it sort of felt like this was a writer who really wanted to do a New Yorker piece at some point in his life was kind of given this assignment, but didn't really know how to actually like approach it. So as a result, you know, you've got like, rather than sign kind of like notice the contradictions and like notice, or even kind of just like be aware of where he fits in the story. Because I think again, like to go back to something I was saying earlier, so much of the current conservative party is really about how, is really about like their relationship to media and proximity. Like Boris Johnson for all, you know, he may be the prime minister now, but he still has like the same instincts as he did when he was the editor of the spectator and like really was the editor to shape the current spectator as it is. Right. And I think that's like something we forget like a lot that like ultimately his brain is still very much being, you know, the lazy, the, the lazy editor who kind of like brought on Taki and stuff like that. And we wonder why um, we feel like we're in hell. Like that's <laughs> literally, you couldn't, you couldn't choose me someone I would like yeah. to lead the country less <laughs> than the fucking editor. Oh. So as a result, you've just got this journalist who like has no idea that they're sort of being like the entire time you're reading this, you sort of know that he's being played and he's desperately trying to kind of like craft this narrative that doesn't exist because he wants to fulfill his kind of fantasy of writing a New Yorker profile um, without kind of understanding how to do it. So as a result, we just get this like very messed up piece that like not only is completely like ineffective, but ultimately like runs cover for like and rationalizes like Boris Johnson's decisions in a way that like weren't, didn't need to be justified, but also like were kind of not justifiable. He's sort of just done a lot of policy I choose work to believe that four like years PR ago, Tom McTague was on a train and he came up with the phrase tornado of bonhomie and decided that it was such a good phrase that he was going to build an entire article around it <laughs> at some point, And this is what resulted. Well, I mean, if you, I think if you want to know sort of Hussein to your point, right? Like what is, what is is this a failure of journalism as we might think of what journalism should be? Yes, uh, catastrophically. But in terms of uh, getting a lot of, in terms of getting Tom McTague some good profile, some good closeness with Johnson, an article in the Atlantic that lots of people will read, selling Johnson to a general type of Joe Biden voter when the U.S. U.K. relationship is incredibly crucial. Yeah, in terms of appealing to certain ex girlfriends of mine's mothers. Yeah, it's a great article. Yeah, and I think that's that's why I think Miley, you were sort of like, talking about this earlier, right? Where it's like, where the whole, or yeah, the Tories sort of try to sell. They they sort of know how to sell themselves without saying what it is that they're doing, but they know how to sell themselves as being kind of liberal looking. If you squint, and they, and again. And if also, look, I if, think Toryism if, is riven with a kind of small L liberalism in the really traditional yeah, well, sense it absolutely, of the well, like, yeah. It is because it always defends whatever the previous, whatever the existing interests are. The Tories of today would defend because it would the Tories of today defend the um would defend the uh, sort of uh, cause celeb of the liberal of the Gladstone era, right? Like that is it's just they they exist to defend the power that they exist to defend the powers that exist, and so. Because the the, lib, the sort of Gladstone era liberalism sort of 
did pretty well. We live in a market economy now. Um, they defend that hmm. that power. He didn't crash the train. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's um or, or you know, not necessarily saying Gladstone brought us the market economy, but more like they sort of know who the rich are and they sort of line up um in front of them. And so you know, it's um. It's no surprise they have a little bit of small L liberalism, but also like when liberal small L liberalism is in crisis, then in order to defend it, it requires big F fascism. That's just oh, the no, nature of the beast. F. That's the nature of the big beast. Big F's in chat, everyone. Um, and so <laughs> it's one of these situations where you know you have you have where in order to make sort of what they're actually doing more palatable uh to a sort of you as you might say sort of small l or even big l liberal audience in the case of america um you are you have a journalist who has come in and essentially been very cheerfully sold a bill of goods uh and then reproduced tory party marketing uh in the atlantic well again thinking he's being balanced reproducing a bunch of attack lines like oh he said this about um about about like you know gay people or whatever as though that sort of hasn't been sort of brought against him many times and sort of failed to stick. You could see like the, the, uh, the sort of the balance of the, the sort of, well, maybe he's not what he says he is, is essentially a Washington generals to the Boris Johnson is a new type of politician. He's unlike anything Britain's ever seen. And actually, uh, all of his, all of his uh, political positions aren't because he's a big, mean fascist. It's because he wants Britain to succeed. Um, and then that's the Harlem Globetrotters in that relationship. Does the article end with, and Mr. Johnson promised he'd be back with my wallet right away? <laughs> it might as well. <laughs> it might as well. Um, so, yeah, that's the... It ends with he's, he's pregnant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so, congratulations From to... just one look. ...Tom McTague on uh, getting into a, um, a big daddy situation, or perhaps a junior situation... Followed by a big daddy situation. Yeah, yeah. he's going to be giving birth to Boris Johnson's seventh or eighth child. Right. It is not a tumor. It's not a tumor. Exactly. Thank you. So, uh, I, I was writing an article for the Atlantic. <laughs> with all of that being said, uh, <laughs> Josie, I want to thank you very much for coming and spending some time with us today. It's my pleasure. I am sorry if I'm not that coherent. I I feel so deeply sad that Boris Johnson is what we have. Yep. I feel so deeply sad. Well, if you feel sad about that, you should try reading this article because it makes a pretty good case for why actually you love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you know what? I, I was chatting uh, with a cab driver today because I... I, oh, I no. I, uh, no, I, I live in Glasgow, so it's a very different oh, thing. Oh, right, right, right. And he was, he was a cool guy and we were getting on and just talking about like being pro-vaccine, you know, like just establishing that we both mm. were not conspiracy theorists. And then even he was like, I will say this, I respect that Boris Johnson's tried his hardest. And I was like, even like people who don't like him will still spout this obviously mm. disprovable bullshit. Like school like, report type shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Applies himself. Tried his- <laughs> well, uh, an A star for Boris Johnson from the British press. Uh, congratulations. You worked very hard for it. Um, yeah. And I think... We'll see you on the bonus episode on Patreon. Five bucks a month, second episode per week. That's right. At better value, you will find nowhere else. It's the bonus one. Uh, you can hear on that being Patreon. said in a different voice. In a different voice. That is right. the Patreon. You can hear us talking about years and years. Thing you get. I've never heard the bonus voice yeah. because well, I don't subscribe. Well, when we stop the recording, recording yeah. we'll do the bonus voice. In the meantime, we'll see you all in a couple of days. Later. Bye. Bye.